Come on, 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3. Hallelujah. Let me teach this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. In other words, it means to set him apart, to give him a special place in your hearts. Are you hearing me, people of God? And be ready always, just as we confess now, to give a reason, to give an answer to every man that asks you, hallelujah, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart, set him apart, give him a special place. And be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason that you hope for him with meekness and fear. Hallelujah. Turn to Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. Glory to God. I want to teach today. We're in this series. We've had some, 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 some detours, if you will. We've had some things going on, but we're still right smack dab. Somebody say smack dab in the middle of the Why the Church series. All right. And so my job, my assignment today is very clear. That's to pick up right where Pastor Reggie left off. Amen. And that is the reason for the church is to evangelize the lost, to evangelize the world. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, go ye therefore. Somebody say, let's go. Let's go. But see, when you get to going, amen, make no mistake about it. Everyone should be ready to give a reason. Make no mistake about it. We all have a responsibility to evangelize the lost. If you call yourself a born again believer, if you call yourself a part of the church, the ecclesia, the whole household of God, which we are because we are assembled today in this place, we have a responsibility to share our faith and to evangelize the lost. Amen, somebody. So we have a responsibility, make no mistake about that. But if you have accepted that call on your life, you've got that responsibility and you're going to come up against some questions. Amen. And I want to my job today is to help us to be equipped to do it. See, we taught this on a Wednesday night and we went through a series of some of you all were there about five or six weeks or so. But what we realized, Pastor Reggie and I've been discussing this and what he realizes as our visionary and our leader is that, man, we got to bring this to Sunday morning. Because, see, make no mistake, we've we, we been getting this thing twisted. See, we think that, that, you know, our job is just to bring people to church. If I can just get them to church, then they'll get saved. But listen, baby, the statistics show that only 15% of people that get saved will get saved here at the altar in the church. Are you hearing me? Only 15%. So that means the other 85% are out there waiting on you to share the gospel. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, as a matter of fact, statistics show, statistics show that People will not come to Christ until they have heard the gospel on an average of 7.6 times. And how many of y'all know they ain't going to hear it 7.6 times necessarily per se up in the church house? Because if they ain't saved, they ain't up in the church house. Are you hearing me, people of God? Excuse me, I got teachers and stuff in here with my broke language. Excuse me. But if they're not saved, they're not going to be in the church house. And if they're not in the church house, they won't have the opportunity to be able to hear the word of 7.6 times to get saved. That means they're waiting on you. They're waiting on me. Yeah, Ephesians 4 says that, you know, some pastors, some this, some that for the perfecting of the saints and all of that until we come into the unity. But a big portion of the pastors, the preachers and things like that is for the perfecting of the saints. Inside the church house. This is where we come to get equipped. So that we can fulfill the why the church mission. Amen. So that we can go out 
and help some more folks get saved so that they can then turn around, come in the church house. Are you hearing me? And get built up and get developed in the word of God so they can experience the fullness of life that the word of God has to offer them. But there's a responsibility on us. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Let's go. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 28 verse 16 says, um, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 16. I want you to go to Matthew 16. Praise God. Hallelujah. Matthew 16 verse 13 says this. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, son of man, am? What I find so interesting about this particular passage of scripture is that this is an age old question that was going on in the Bible that still goes on today. When we get about going, you're going to come up against the same question. Who is Jesus? So Jesus asked the disciples, who people say that I am? And as you go as representatives, as Christ representatives and begin to ask people who Jesus is, you're going to get a whole lot of answers. And they said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some Elias. And others, Jeremiah, so one of the prophets or something like that. You hear that if you go, you'll ask the Muslims, they'll say, oh, he's a prophet. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. When you talk to different folks, oh, he's a God with the little G. That's a difference. You can read the Jehovah's Witness Bible and they changed the Bible on us, man. In 1995, they put out a new version of the Bible. And when it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. They changed that God with a capital G in, in our Bible to the little G. Okay, that's another story. And so 14, verse 14, let me get back to the Bible. And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some Elias and others, Jeremiah and one of the prophets. And he says, well, look, 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 disciples, y'all been rolling with me. Y'all been walking with me. Who do y'all say that I am? See, I want you to understand that Jesus is always going to be concerned about we as believers. Who do we say that he is? And so Simon Peter answered and said, well, thou art the Christ. The son of the living God, Jesus answered with excitement and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But my father, which is in heaven, in other words, he said, boy, you got it. You got revelation. And we taught on this thing of revelation so many times, but we say that saturation brings what? Amen. So, so he got revelation on this thing. He got revelation on who Jesus is, and Jesus acknowledges that. Now, revelation is simply the courage. Um, it's it's going to produce an action. It produces faith, which gives you an action to obey. I tell the story about Pastor Keisha when we first got married. It'll be 10 years this August. Y'all heard the story about the coffee? Praise the Lord. Y'all heard the story about the coffee? Some of y'all just, just, just listen like you heard the first time. You're going to hear it again. She liked to drink coffee. I don't know if it was Folgers or whatever it was. And so I'm trying to be a good husband. I try to make her some coffee and things like that. And so I would make coffee and then I would sip on the coffee. And then one day I got revelation that coffee does something to the prostate of black men in particular, of me in particular. I'm not even going to say black men, but in me. This coffee, Holy Spirit revealed to me this coffee revealed revelation that this coffee wasn't good for me. And so when I got revelation of that thing, it's been 10 years and I've not had a drop of coffee because I had revelation. Whatever you get revelation in your life, he says, look, the gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. So I got revelation on my prostate and this coffee and this coffee is not going to prevail against my prostate because I'm going to be healthy. So I bind prostate cancer in the name of Jesus. But now watch this. Watch this. God will show you. God will prove the revelation that he gives to you. So, so the next year in our first year of marriage, both of our dads are ended up dealing with prostate cancer. And we go and do the research and find out nah, because we're so smart, we're going to help our dads. Uh-uh, we're going to help them. We're going to do some research. Dad, this is what you need to do. 
In the midst of our study, and we found out that coffee was a problem for men, black men in particular, for their prostate. Now, I did not study it. I didn't go to medical school. I didn't do anything. I just got revelation from the power of my God and the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of me, and I stopped drinking coffee. So God will give you revelation of things that people will study years and years to try to get revelation of in one instant. And if you can train yourself to be sensitive and to begin to flow, he says that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's upon the rock of revelation that God wants to build his church so that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So people of God, I want you to understand that whatever it is that you get revelation on, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you get revelation in your finances, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Brother Stacy taught his heart out about his revelation in finances. And Brother Stacy, I'm here to tell you that the gates of hell will never, ever, ever prevail against you again because of the revelation that you got on the power of the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or tittle of the word ceases to come to pass. And when we begin to align our life with the word of God, are you hearing me will never have anything to prevail against us the enemy has to flee at the name of Jesus at the name of Jesus every knee must bow every tongue must confess at the name of Jesus poverty must bow Are you hearing me? Lack must bow. Sickness must bow. And so I have a question for you people of God. Who is Jesus to you? And I ain't talking about no church cliches. He's a a doctor in the sick room and he's a lawyer in the courtroom and all of that. I want to know who he is to you. Who is he to you personally? And the reason I ask this is because as you get in touch with this level of revelation, it will be your power to evangelize the lost as you get in touch with what he's done for you. See, let's go back. Let's go back to Bible. Okay, calm down. Let me go back. Bible. Praise the Lord, everyone. So. In verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When he said, Thou art the Christ, that means thou art the Christo. He was referring to him as the Messiah. The Messiah meant that he was the promised deliverer. So he was the one that was prophesied that would come. He was the one that would deliver man. Are you hearing me? From sin. He was the great deliverer. So I ask you, who is he to you? Personally. Because every one of us who have had an encounter with Jesus has a personal story about who he is to you. And that personal story is the very power to be able to evangelize the lost. I teach all of the time that, that Pastor Twan's got people that he can reach that I'll never be able to reach. Because I need you to understand that God's got some ordained people that's set up that's waiting for you to reach them, but you got to be willing to reach them. Are you hearing me? And Pastor Twan's story is waiting for those people. Pastor Terrence's story is waiting for Pastor Terrence's people. Are you hearing me? Minister Kelly's story is waiting for Minister Kelly's people. She's got a story that those people are just waiting to hear. She's got a story that's going to touch their lives and penetrate and cause them to come to Christ, but she got to be willing to go and tell them. So who is he to you? Glory to God. 
And then in verse 18, he says, and I said that art Peter and upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us. And I like verse 19. So I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, thou shalt be loosed in heaven. You see, by the power of the word of God, you've got the power. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, you got the power. Turn back to them and say, you got the power. Well, praise the Lord, we all got the power. Hallelujah. So listen, listen, I want to I want to jump into these to these three things, because I believe there are three things that prevent Christians from evangelizing. Three reasons, three reasons. We got to always be ready to give a reason. But there are some reasons that we got to get past. Number one is reasons of the heart. Number two, reasons of fear. Actually, let's put it in this order. Reasons of fear. Number one. Number two, reasons of the heart. And then number three, reasons of not knowing. All right, so somebody, class, we got a good class in this place. Give it back to me. Number one is what? Fear. Reasons of fear. Praise God. Number two? Heart. Reasons of the heart. Somebody sound like family feud. Heart. Okay. Number three? Reasons of not knowing. Hallelujah. So we've already began to deal a bit with reasons of fear. And I want to give you three points that will help you. And number one was, you know, getting a deeper revelation of who God is for yourself. And I'll show you why that deals with reasons of fear. And then the second thing I'm going to give you today is understand, receive and represent the heart of God, which will deal with reasons of the heart. And then the third thing is to continuously endeavor to find ways to share your faith. And we're going to deal with the how, the reasons of knowing how, because some people's problem is. Hey, I I just don't know how. I'm not sure where to start or where to begin. And that's what we want to accomplish today. Are you ready? Praise the Lord. So number one, we talked about this idea of growing deeper in revelation of God. Whenever you get revelation in something, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. So whenever you get revelation. So we talked about Matthew 16, that the very purpose of evangelism really is to get people themselves to the point of an encounter and a revelation for themselves of who Jesus is. And when you understand who he is to you, watch this, it's going to always point back to the fact that God is love. Somebody say, God is love. Hallelujah. He loved us so much that he personally pulled you out of what he pulled you out of. Fill in the blanks. Because some of us was a mess. But God loved us so much that he pulled, I ain't going to ask you to say what it is in church, but he pulled you out of what he pulled you out of. As messy and as nasty as you was, God loved you so much that he pulled you out of it. As foul and wrong and off that you were, God loved you so much that he pulled you out of it. Somebody say it was personal. Hallelujah. First John chapter four, verse seven. I want to prove this to you in scripture about the fact that God is love. It says beloved in first John chapter four, verse seven, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and know of God. He that loveth not God, verse eight. For God is love. 
Verse 9 says, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. Somebody say this, that we might live through him. Hallelujah. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, watch this, to be the propitiation of our sins. That means he sent his son to take our place, to take the punishment that we deserved as sinners, to switch coats with us, if you will, and take every uh, punishment that we had coming to us so that we wouldn't have to endure it. No greater love than this, than a man should lay down his life for his friends. Are you hearing me, people of God? God is the embodiment. Jesus is the embodiment of love. And verse 11 says, beloved, if God so loved us, watch this. Here's our responsibility again. We ought to also love one another. So if God so loved you, then you, you ought to want to be able to share that same love with others. God pulled you out of a situation and you see somebody going into the same situation, it looked like you would want to stop them from going into the same situation so they wouldn't have to endure what you were about to endure. Oh, okay, okay. Can, do I have any real people in this place? Verse 12 says, No man have seen God any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love, watch this, is perfected in us. So here's where we deal with fear. Because see, the Bible tells us that when love is perfected, that in perfect love, all fear is cast out. So if you allow the love of God to be perfected in you, watch this, the love of God will begin to supersede the level of fear. Even with Jesus, when Jesus was getting ready to go, he had a moment, he had a little flesh moment, and he says, look, why have thou forsaken me and all of that? But he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. But he was like, first he was like, man, look, can you take this cup from me? What is going on, really? He had a moment. But nevertheless, because of the love that he had for us, and I believe also because of the love that he had for God the Father, because they were one, the love that he had caused him to say, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. And this is, this is a perfect lead-in into us beginning to deal with the matters of the heart. Because see, if we get our hearts right, if we get our hearts aligned to, to break for what God's heart breaks for, Oh, oh, you can forget about selfishness. You can forget about what I got to do and all of this and that. You're going to do what you need to do to please God because our hearts have to become in alignment. But we've gotten too comfortable. See, this part of the message, it's not popular, but we've gotten too comfortable to the point that we don't, we, we, we won't share the gospel. We, we, it's cool, you know, me and us four are no more. It's great. My family's doing good and all of that. Um, somebody was talking about everybody gets to eat. Was that you, Pastor Twan? You know, we, we, we gotten away from that. We got in the way from that. So, so this is a perfect lead in to this thing about the heart. Because the other thing I talked about is one of the reasons that, that we don't is matters of the heart. And I shared a statement when we talked this on Wednesday night. And I want you to listen to it and just reflect on it. We won't have time to dig into it as we did on a Wednesday night. But listen to this. It is precisely the scandal of an unbroken heart that impedes evangelism today. So an evangelist by the name of David Shipley came up with this statement. It's precisely the scandal of an unbroken heart that impedes evangelism today. Take, you just take a couple of seconds and think about what does that mean. Hallelujah. 
So the second thing that we have to do to begin to deal with this love piece is we got to understand and represent the heart of God. Are you hearing me, people of God? We got to understand and represent the heart of God. John chapter three, verse 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, I like to go further because sometimes we stop at 16. Verse 17 says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here's an important part of the heart of God that we got to understand. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And, and we've missed it at times in, in, in kingdom and in, in the body of Christ, because if, if somebody didn't have a skirt that was down to their ankles, we were like, you going to hell. We condemned them to hell, but we but uh, while we were doing that in those old days and things like that, we were missing the heart of God in John three seventeen, Because he didn't come in the world to condemn the world. I didn't worry about no skirts and, and, and nothing like that to, to the heel. And, and, and when you position people to even get the love of God, watch this. The love of God is going to perfect us anyway. The love of God is going to change the level of the skirts and things like that to be more presentable before God. But if you're condemning people, they can't ever get to experience the love of God because you didn't condemn them and said you're going to hell. And hell is a real place, by the way, but I'm just saying. If you condemn them to hell before they can even get to the solution, how are they going to get to the solution? All they know is I'm going to hell anyway, so I might as well party and do my thing. It's my thing. Do what I want to do because you sent me to hell anyway, so I ain't trying to hear nothing that you got to say. You got to get the heart of God. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. My God in heaven. Turn to John chapter 6, verse 39. I want you to understand that it is the will of God that none would be lost. None would be lost. And verse, and and I'll prove it right here in scriptures, John 6, 39, it says, And this is the Father's will, which have sent me, that of all which which he have given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Let's go. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I got Bible on it. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. I got to move because my time y'all didn't shout it up my time. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. <laughs> As some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us work, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hallelujah. So God is concerned about people, the same people that you are willing to write off because of how they dress, because they skirts ain't down here. On the floor, not even to the ankles, they ain't down to the floor. You're ready to write them off. God says, I, I'm not slack. I, I, I don't want to lose nobody. If we could just begin to look at ourselves and people through the eyes of God and begin to see the potential, begin to see the diamonds beneath the rough. Oh, you was a wretch before uh, a wretch undone, as they say, if I can go back to some of the old church cliches. But God saw the potential. He looked beyond my faults (laughs) and he saw my needs. That old song says, I do not know why, (laughs) but he decided to love me. Amen. He looked beyond my faults. Oh, come on here. And saw my needs. So the heart of God is to love people. And we got to do that. Now watch this. Here, here, here's, here's a revelation that I got and I shared it um, in prayer like a couple, two prayers ago. Turn to, um, to Psalm 51. Praise God in heaven. 
Psalm 51. Who was it in the Bible, by the way, that was noted as being a man after God's own heart? David. Amen. Psalm 51. Let's go. Let's get some revelation from David. Glory to God. We're after revelation today. Amen. Hallelujah. So Psalm 51, and I want to begin reading um, at verse 10. So this is David. And David says, create in me a clean heart. O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold with me thy free spirit. Now God's word says that he has come that we might have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. And so sometimes we got to get back to even having a, a level of restoration about the joy of our salvation. Just think back to when you first got saved, the level of joy that you had. You had to share it. You had to tell somebody about it because you were on a high. But that's not even the point I'm talking about right here. Verse 10 says, he says, create in me a clean heart. And then drop down to verse 13, 13. He says, after that, then I will be able to teach transgressors thy ways and sinners will be converted unto thee. What touched me about this particular passage of scripture as we think about David is that David understood that if he was going to really for real, for real, for real, fulfill the mission of God, he had to have the heart of God. And so he goes before the Lord and pleads and says, God, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right mind. Just think what would happen if we would go before the Lord and say, create in me a clean heart. That's a level of submission right there that said, create in me. See, okay, can I get y'all, y'all looking at me? Okay, can I be real with y'all? So, so when you were a sinner, some of us, when we were sinners, we realized that God does, he is the creator and sustainer of the universe. So he does have the power to get you right. But yet he also gives us this free will and ability. So some of you, when you were sinning, you, 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 you were hesitant to really invite him into your life. Why? Because you wasn't done sinning yet. Oh, come on. I, do I have some real people in the house today? Don't play with me. So when you were still doing what you was doing. And you wasn't ready. You, you wasn't really ready to let God. Because see, you knew that you knew for real. If you knew something about God, you knew that he had the power to get you right. To get you straight, but yet you had to invite him into your life so that he could clean you up and make those crooked places straight in your life. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. Because I was there. I was in that place where I knew that, that God could fix this thing, but I wasn't quite ready yet. So I, I ain't really let him that close because I ain't really want him to change me just yet because I still had a little bit more dirt that I was trying to do. I don't play with me. David did dirt. But yet he said, create in me. A clean heart. He had a revelation that, you know what, if I'm going to be for real, for real for God, I'm going to have to have the heart of God. God, I need your creative power to come inside of me and create in me a clean heart. Okay, let me teach you today. Okay, okay, watch this, watch this. So the word heart in the Old Testament was translated from the Hebrew word lab. Okay? And lab means the feelings, the will, and the intellect. The heart being the center by which man processes understanding receives wisdom the heart listen to this let me just give it to you how how i got it the heart includes not only the motives the feelings the affections and desires but also the will that free will we were just talking about the aims the principles the thoughts motivations and intellect of man 
the head never being regarded as the seat of intelligence. I just lost half the church. That's why the Bible says out of the heart flows the issues of life. So while the heart is the source of all action and the center of all thought and feeling, the heart is also described as receptive to influence from both the world and God himself. So catch this, catch this. So when David says creating me a clean heart, what he was really saying was creating me a clean source of action. Creating me a clean center for my thoughts, creating me a clean center for my feelings, creating me a clean space for my motivations, cleanse me of negative worldly influences so that your voice and your mission can prevail in my life. Do I have anybody that's willing to ask God to create in them a clean heart? Because when you ask God to create in you a clean heart, oh, selfishness is gone. Oh, you, you, you tripping on doing small groups and things like that. That's gone. Because when you get the heart of God, you understand what God is trying to accomplish in the earth realm and you begin to yield yourself to the plan of God. Psalm 37 and 4 says, delight thyself also in the way of the Lord. Then he'll give you even the desires of your heart. Why? Because your heart becomes aligned to his word. Creating me a clean heart. The very creative power of God is at bay, ready to go to work in you. In every area of your life. But yet you have to be willing. To invite him to do the reconstruction, to do the sweeping, to do the mopping, to put the pine saw down. Come on here. Oh, don't play with me. Y'all know the house ain't really clean until you put that pine saw down. And, and you clean it out and you get that, that sweet aroma. God, God wants to, to, to get a sweet aroma from your life. Hallelujah. This is good to me. Hallelujah. So now, now this last piece, last piece. Oh my goodness, I got five minutes. Continuously endeavor to find ways to share your faith. And that's where this whole piece, if you guys have been here on Wednesday nights, we talked about how to share your faith without an argument. Because see, once you got your heart together, now you're ready. You're ready to share your faith and you're ready to begin to go. You're ready to overcome fear because your heart has been transformed. Your heart has become a new place for processing, for thinking. It becomes a, a clean place of emotions and, and, and it becomes subject to the, uh, to the influences of God and his word. Amen. So once that happens, now you're ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. So now you can begin to go and share your faith. And, and, and I want to teach very briefly from... Um, uh, teaching by uh, Bill Fay on how can I share my faith without an argument, okay? And so ultimately, you can share your faith. And this deals with the, the know-how piece. When I talked about there were three reasons. So, the, the, you know, one was fear. Um, number two was matters of the heart. And then the third piece being, I don't, I don't know how. So the first thing, somebody say, start the conversation. So I'm going to give you five questions real quick. Be ready to write them down. That will help you to start the conversation. And I'll teach you kind of why, um, how they can flow. Okay. So number one is, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? Number one, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? See, if you go up to somebody and you ask them, you say, look, um, do you believe in God? That can be offensive. They might be like none of your business because a lot of times that can, that can be offensive. That can cause people to, to come off. But if you just say, Hey, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? All you're doing is just engaging, um, in conversation. And people will talk, man, they'll go. People are ready to talk. I mean, y'all, y'all the people, y'all know. You t- look at your neighbor and say, you know. 
people like to talk. So you ask me, hey, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? Well, yeah, I believe this. I believe the sun and that and that. And, and listen, people, what you got to understand is because what we've made mistakes in the past is, is in evangelism. And this has also contributed to fear is that we think that we always have to correct folks. We put too much on us as opposed to the word of God. So during this process of how to share your faith without an argument, the reason that you're not going to get in an argument is because you're simply asking questions and all you're doing is listening. All you're doing is listening to get an understanding of where they are. I told you that um, people have to hear the gospel um, an average of 7.6 times before they're ready to receive. So as you're asking these five questions that I'm going to give you, all you're doing is listening and, and, and trying to engage to figure out um, where they are, how close are they to that point six? And you got to have Holy Spirit as you go in and listen to these questions and you and discern because even the questions that I'm going to give you, you don't have to ask them in order. You know, one of the things that used to get on my nerves, and, and, and I was a believer, is people coming up to me with these tracks and saying, okay, number one, do you have this and that? And okay, number, and, no, go on somewhere, man. So you got to learn these questions and be able to flow conversationally. Make it go natural. So number one, let me just run through the questions. Number one, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? Number two, who is Jesus to you? Sound familiar? Matthew 16. Who the son of man said, who, who the man said that I son of man am? Who you saying? Who is Jesus to you? Number three, do you think there's a heaven and a hell? Do you believe in heaven and hell? And what's so funny about question number three is that people, you ask somebody, hey, do you believe that there's a heaven and a hell? They'll be like, nope. And you go to question number four and be like, if you died right now, where would you go? And they'll be like, I'm going to heaven, Jack. <laughs> but you just told me that you didn't believe in a heaven or a hell. So now catch this. So, so y'all got questions one through four. So question three was, do you, have, do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? Question number four is, if you died right now, where would you go? So catch this. Question number five if what you believe were not true, would you want to know what's right? If what you believe were not true, do you want to know what's right? If they say no, you say thank you. And move on. However, you will rarely get a no that stands. I don't think you'll ever get a no that stands. Because see, people, we, and we, we're people, so y'all know. We have these knee-jerk reactions. Would you want to know? No, I don't want to know. Knee jerk. Right? But then you think about it like, well, wait a minute. Well, what do you mean if I was wrong? They'll come back to you and ask you. So those are the five questions. Number one, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? Number two, who is Jesus to you? Number three, do you think there's a heaven and a hell? Number four, if you died right now, where would you go? And number five, if you believe what you believe were not true, would you want to know? What's right? Would you want to know if, if what you believe weren't true? Those are the five questions. And with these questions, you can ask them in any order. At any given time, you've got to have Holy Spirit working with you, partnering with you to tell you. You know, maybe you're going in the airport and God might have you just come straight out. Hey, do you believe in heaven or hell? And they'll be like, yeah, no. Or, or if you died today, where would you go? I shared a story with um, a guy I met at work and he came up to me and he was like, man, my friend just died. You know, um, and I don't know why he was just telling me all of this because I had never met him. I just, you know, introduced myself to him. And it's like, 
Man, and out of nowhere, it was, it was tripped out. I was like, man, my friend just died, you know, this weekend, just went to my friend's funeral. You know, I was just like, well, how you doing, man? And sometimes when, when you, if you um, position your heart to really go after God, he'll present some stuff for you, and you got to be ready for it. You know, he'll present people before you. And so, you know, so I, I, I varied the approach a little bit um, with these questions. Um, I was like, well, really, man? Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. I said, well, listen, man, did he have any kind of spiritual beliefs? Oh, well, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. He believed in God, but, you know, we, we used to taste a little, you know. You know, that means he, they, they drank a little bit um, for you super saved folks. And so um, I said, really? So, so we talked about that. And then I said, well, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Oh, you know, I go to church. I go to church. You know, things like that. And so then we flowed into that, into that peace. And so you can begin and be like, okay, fine. You go to church. But that doesn't necessarily mean just because you go to church doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go to heaven. Oh, come on now. Church is not your ticket into heaven. It's not. Somebody like, really? <laughs> so you can flow and you can be like, well, listen, um, if you were to die right now, where would you go? You know, why? If, and what you can ask is a follow up question. If they, if they say, you know, um, and particularly if they're wrong, because, again, you're just listening. You're not trying to uh, change things up or, or convince them or anything differently. You're just listening. You're trying to gauge on the point six if they're ready to receive the word. Right. And so they might say, um, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'm going to heaven. And then you might say, well, why? Why? And then see what they say. And if what they say is not right, then you can say, well, if what you believe are wrong, would you want to know what's right? Amen? And so with that, the point of this is to present the gospel. Our job is simply to present the gospel. And once we've gotten through these questions and things like that and and if you endeavor to go and ask the questions, Holy Spirit will guide you through it. Um, and then you can present the gospel. And basically, the gospel flows through the scriptures. And I'm going to give you a quick list of uh, scriptures called Romans Road that you can use. And you can even Google Romans Road. But Romans chapter 3, verse 10. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. And then Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means all of us have been placed in the same boat. And the third piece is Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, as so death spread to all men because all sinned. And then it tells us that it was through Christ. Amen. It points to Jesus. And Romans 6, 23 says, for the wage of sin is death. But the free gift of God, see, it's the answer. Jesus is the answer. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Here's how you do it. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's good news right there. For if the heart man believes, with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Hallelujah, that's good. And then Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord 
will be saved. That's the gospel message right there. And ultimately, there, there are a few components that we just saw is who God is. He's the creator and sustainer of the universe, but who people are. We're sinners in need of a savior. Who Jesus is, God in the flesh, a sinless substitute for sinners who rose from the grave. And what we must do in response. Confess. Believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. That's the gospel message. Clap your hands and give God praise for the word. Hallelujah. I did all right.